Hey, this is Doug Eccles. We want to welcome you to our podcast, Got Better Things for You. All right, let's look to Luke chapter 15. And uh, I'm going to just read a little bit of this, and then I'll let you sit down. Luke 15, 11 through 13. He said, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property or his living. uh, uh, He squandered his property in reckless living. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the word of God is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. I pray that you would meet the need of everyone that's here. But I pray, Lord, most of all, that there'd be convicting power of the Holy Spirit move in this place, that if there need to be any changes made, that we'll be willing to make them. And, Lord, that uh, uh, you'll penetrate even the hardest heart today. Those that are listening, Lord, that there'd be uh, an anointing to destroy the yoke of bondage. Lord, we thank you that there's freedom in your name. And, Lord, uh, we stir up the gift of God within us today. Lord, your word is like a fire shut up in our bones. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, Why don't you tell somebody, I see great things coming your way before you're seated. Come on. Tell somebody, I see great things coming your way. And then you may be seated. I see great things coming your way. Amen. I want to speak to you today a little bit about a word that we know, but that word would be recalibrate. And I believe really what revival is at times to people is a little bit of recalibration where we adjust and we carefully examine ourselves, And I'm going to ask you today to carefully examine your life and make any needed adjustments that are necessary. And when you recalibrate, it's like when you miss a turn. I don't know how you are, but sometimes I'll be on the speaker phone in the car and I'm supposed to be paying attention and, and pretty soon it says recalculating. And uh, just, uh, you know, that woman, just what I need is another woman telling me where to go. But I'm pretty sure everybody here today really wants to go to heaven. You know, I don't, I don't think you come to church and say, man, I want to go to hell. I, I, the only people I've ever seen actually say they wanted to go to hell, years ago I used to like watching wrestling. And, uh, you know, big time wrestling, you know, and there was a couple of wrestlers saying, when I die, I, I want to go to hell because I'm going to be the life of the party. And I, I, I really have never heard anybody say that. The truth is everybody wants to live whatever way they want to live and still make it to heaven. But the Bible gives us some uh, uh, guidelines to get us to heaven and get there where we look like something when we get there. But I'm going to tell you, on your way to heaven, you may need to make some adjustments on the way. And in this life, you might be heading to a destination and you might need to recalculate. And uh, I I began reading about this young man that squandered all of his property in reckless living. Let's go down to verse number 14. It said, And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate. 
and no one gave him anything. So to say the very least, this is uh, a really messed up young man. Here he's a Jewish young man. He won't eat pork, but now he's uh, so hungry, he wants to eat what you feed the pork. All right? Do you understand that? Verse 17, it says, but when he came to himself, I love that verse, probably one of my very favorite verses in the Bible. When he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and before you I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. Verse number 20, he arose and came to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and before you I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe, put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. Now, this young man, when he was at his lowest, he's in the hog uh, pen with hog slop up to his knee. He's really messed up on the road of life, and he wound up in this bad place. We might call it down and out. It might be the place you might call rock bottom, but maybe you're here today and you think you've hit rock bottom. It's nothing uh, for God because he made the rock. Amen? I'm thankful that Jesus is my rock today. Amen? But but this young man did not end up in the mess that he was in uh, because he did it all in one day. How many understand he did not get to the hog pen in one day? And I think that uh, you look at places uh, and people that have messed up, most people don't get there in a day. It begins. There's a journey that begins to take place. And several places along the road, this young man could have recalibrated. He could have made a turnaround. See, most people don't think that they'll ever get to that place. You don't think you'll get there in one day. You'll say, I, you can't get there from here. I remember one time going to where your pastor's from, and on our way there, Lori and I, uh, it was before GPS. You had to have a big map from Walmart, Rand McNally, that was about this big. And we always had that in the car, and it kept Lori entertained for hours. And uh, we got lost, though. And uh, we got lost. We're out in the middle of nowhere, and we stop at this gas station. And I walk in, and behind the counter is Goober. I said, how do you get to a certain place? And he said, you can't get there from here. And he was joking, of course. But it begins usually when people get themselves in a mess. It usually begins with the little stuff. A few wrong turns get you there. Most people think they would never get there. I sat across the table from a young man. The young man, his dad, was a very close friend of mine, and uh, I sat across the table from him, and uh, the next day I was going to take him to Teen Challenge in Long Island. This young man, uh, uh, he had come out of high school and he'd done very well. And for himself, he lived in one of the best neighborhoods in Oklahoma. He drove a, a brand new F-150. He drove a, a, a Mercedes-Benz. The F-150 cost more than the Mercedes-Benz, by the way. Okay, whatever. 
And he also had a hot rod. He had a beautiful pool. He had a beautiful wife. He had a a lovely child. And he was living a great life, making a great salary. And then his dad passed away, and he said uh, things began to go downhill. He began to tell me that when his dad passed, he, you know, he'd always go into his dad's church where his dad was the pastor and he started going to a different church and, and they found out he was a, a musician. He could play the drums and he could sing and they asked him if he'd be on the worship team and he did and after a while they befriended him and said, look, we go out after church and uh, we drink. You want to come with us? And he said, I don't drink. And they said, Oh, come on, you don't have to, just come with us. And he said, kept telling them no. But he kept being on the worship team and he kept singing. And he said after a while they put enough pressure on him that he succumbed and he went out with them and he had one drink. He said, I liked it, so I had two. He said, I liked that so much that that got, I started going by myself. I just didn't go with the worship team. I went by myself, and I got some new friends, and my new friends not only like to drink, but they like to smoke dope. He said, so I started smoking dope. He said, then my new friends uh, told me I should start taking uh, a prescription pain medicine. That made me feel good. I liked it, but he said, then my life, I started having problems at work. I started having problems at home, and he said, I started losing uh, uh, some things. And, and he said, and pretty soon, uh, uh, I had just got him, uh, he had, I had just got with him, he'd had two heroin overdoses. He lost his home, he lost his wife, he lost his child, he lost his F-150, he lost his Mercedes-Benz, he lost his hot rod, he lost his pool, he lost his job. He said, I got to the point where... I couldn't afford the drugs I wanted, so I started. I, somebody told me, you need to be a bartender. Bartenders, he said, get the best drugs. He said, because the drug dealer will come in and say, uh, look, I'm sitting in that corner. If anybody needs something, I got it here, and they'll, they'll slip you, the bartender, some stuff to, to get the drug dealer his stuff. You know? Are you understanding this? I may be telling you more than you want to know. <laughs> well, is that how that works? Now you're going to look different at everybody that says they're a bartender. I don't know, whatever. He said, then I found myself in the hospital crying out. Didn't know what to do. He got a hold of me, and I I helped him with some things, but he looked at me across the table. He said, Doug, it began with one drink. Just one drink. And I always say, you know, how to not be an alcoholic is never to have the drink right before the second one. But we read that story in the Bible and it parallels a young man that I really know and how to live our life uh, and make it to heaven. Well, we got to stay off the road that leads to destruction. But the first thing that started messing this young man up in the Bible, wrong turn number one was he took himself out of the hands of God. The Bible said, he said, give me the share of property that is coming to me. Now, how many know it it is natural to be uh, a person that we serve ourselves rather than God? We have people that come in and say, I don't need God's house. I can do this on my own. I do what I want. I want what's coming to me now. In America, we love instant gratification. We love instant pleasure. We say, I want to do my own thing. Now, this Bible right here, it says... 
that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. None of us would be thinking it's all right to do a seance or, or to call on Satan or, or drink bat blood or whatever you might think is evil. I don't know. None of us would do that. But the Bible says rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. God looks at rebellion like he looks at witchcraft. We say, well, I want to do my own thing. Ephesians chapter 2, 1 and 2, it says, And you were dead in your trespasses. You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now working the sons of disobedience. You once were dead in your sins and trespasses. You used to walk that way, but when you come to Christ, old things pass away and all things become new. And you say, well, I used to be that way. But I'm here, I hear people say, well, I'm not in rebellion. Are you ignoring God's word? Are you ignoring parts of God's word? You say, well, that's, that's, I like that part, but I don't like this part. If you're doing anything against what's in the word of God for whatever reason, you've already stepped out on the road to destruction. You're heading uh, to a place where you could really be messed up. See, when somebody messes up and says something dumb, I say usually they have a, a Bible problem. Are you understanding me? Because if you believe the Bible, if you miss it in one area, you can miss it in a lot of areas. So I'm going to have to believe the Bible from cover to cover, whether it makes me happy, whether it makes my flesh uh, feel good, whether it makes everybody else happy. I've decided I I must go with the word of God over what man says. Because I found that in uh, Psalm 91, it says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He's my refuge, my fortress, my God, in Him will I trust. It says that angels keep charge over us, and no plague shall come nigh our dwelling. So how do I keep safe? I stay under the shadow of the Almighty. I stay under uh, God, and I put Him first, and when I put Him first, I will not come in last. All right, number two, the second thing that started messing him up, got him on the road to destruction, wrong turn number two. He went to a distant land. The Bible said he took a journey into a far country. This was a place he knew nothing about. Uh, and uh, I, I think sometimes uh, we think that we can run from God. How many know that Jonah found out you cannot run from God? Young people, you might think you can run from God. Dad, you might think you can run from God. You think you can get away from him. But I'm going to tell you, you cannot run from God and win. Now, some people haven't even left town, but they've left God. Jonah at least left town. This young man took a journey into a far country. You know what? I think he said, you know what? My dad won't let me have hell at home, so I've got to go somewhere else. I'm going to tell you something. You're not going to find peace when you get to that next place. When I was growing up, I was called to preach at the age of 15. For the next four years, I tried to disqualify myself from preaching. I thought if I get away from my family and I get away from the godly influence at my house, surely I'm going to be happy. I went to the University of Oklahoma to run from God. but I, And I thought, God is not going to be at Norman, Oklahoma. I'm going to tell you whether you hate the Sooners or not, God is at Norman, Oklahoma. And I'm going to tell you, I was there. I was miserable at the University of Oklahoma. And I, I told my mother that later. I got saved that summer. I said, Mom, I was miserable at the University of Oklahoma. 
I said, I, I, I'd have a day where I didn't really do anything wrong. I wasn't doing bad stuff and still was miserable. She said, so your dad and I were praying every day. Uh, before our feet hit the ground, our knees would hit the ground, and we pray, Lord, make him miserable until he comes back to the Lord. I'm here to tell you, some of you need to start praying some desperate prayers for your family. These are the last days. He's coming very soon. We don't have time to pray God bless Johnny and Susie prayers. We need to sick the Holy Ghost on them because I'm telling you, they need to come to Christ, and he's not willing that they perish, but that they come to repentance. These are good days see I found out you can't run from the prayers of godly people but when I'm down at the University of Oklahoma I'll tell you what my problem was I had too much of the world to enjoy God and I had too much of God to enjoy the world see some of you are never going to be happy until you give your life over to God oh well I, I just you know you wonder why you're miserable all the time I can tell you why too much of the world to enjoy God and too much of God to enjoy the world. See, that's called conviction. And I'm going to tell you, the Holy Ghost is going to stay on you until you give your heart to Jesus. So you might as well do it today. Conviction's a good thing. It's one of the blessings of the Holy Spirit. Amen? The third thing that started this young man messing him up, got him on the road to destruction, the wrong turn number three. He began to hang out with the wrong crowd. The Bible said he hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country. He hung out with the wrong crowd. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Be not deceived, evil companionships corrupt good manners. I say it like this, Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. That's why we come out here and we hang out with faith-filled people at, at Fountain of Life. We hang out with people that love revival, the moving of the Holy Ghost, because you become like those that you associate with. If you hang out with refrigerators, you'll be cold. But if you hang out with the hot, you'll be hot on fire for God. Are you understanding me? I want to hang out with some preachers that love Jesus, that talk about His goodness, that talk about His mercy, that talk about the moving of the Holy Ghost and miracles can still happen. Those are the kind of people I like to hang out with. I don't like to hang out with the preachers that say, well, I'm not sure if the Bible's true, and I'm not sure if Jesus was really virgin born, and I'm not sure about the resurrection. I say, you're not even a preacher. Quit talking to me and get away. I don't hang out with people like that. I'm going to lift up Jesus, and I want to hang out with somebody else that will lift up his name. Amen? See, now, you say, well, we talk about hanging out with the bad people, you know, and you become like those you associate with, but same goes with positive as well. Remember that man that was paralyzed in Mark chapter 2? Thank God he had some four friends that were full of faith. They got him to Jesus. I don't know about you, but you might have somebody that's paralyzed this week. Paralyzed in their mind, paralyzed in their body, paralyzed in their sin, paralyzed in their mess. They need to get to Jesus. I don't know what it's going to take to get them here. Maybe a Ruby Tuesday salad, maybe a, a hamburger from the cookout. I don't know what it's going to take, but get them in the house of the Lord, because how will they hear without a preacher. Somebody needs to get them to hear the preaching. Amen? Yeah. We talk about who you hang out with. It's important because the crowd makes people bold. Look at this young man that was a friend of mine. He said they, they kept pressuring him. They kept pressuring him. See, the crowd will get you to do things that you would never do. That You'll lower your inhibitions. 
The crowd gets you to compromise a little. Just try it one time, just a little bit for social purposes. Just one joint, just one night of stolen sin. Everybody's doing it. Oh, it's just, it's not wrong. It's the alternative lifestyle. Just clubbing for the night. It's okay. But I'm going to say one night of pleasure is not worth a lifetime of pain. You cannot afford one night out of the hands of God because Jesus is coming soon, will shortly be. He's already come. You need to watch and be ready. So God does not work by what the crowd says. God does not work by the popular vote. But God says uh, that we are to take up our cross daily and deny ourselves and follow him. If you believe it, say amen. The fourth thing that got this man, young man messed up on the road to destruction, wrong turn number four, he wasted all of his money on partying. He squandered his property in reckless living, wasted it. You know, uh, I go to the grocery store sometime and there'll be somebody laying out change for cigarettes and alcohol. They're, and they're, I, You know, it's almost like if you just let me pay for it, you know. Because you're taking so long. Just kidding. But in my head, I'm thinking, they're going to get it either way. But they'll spend everything they have for one, one more drink, one more smoke. And the government is charging you a lot of money for that smoke. Uh, whatever. But then you'll get mad at the preacher. I don't like the car he drives. I don't like the clothes you wear. I don't like, you know, I've had people complain to me before. They go, I don't like this, you know. And I'm thinking to myself, I haven't drank, I haven't smoked, doped, or party for over 40 years. So I have an account. I have my no doping, no smoking, no partying account that I can buy whatever I want. Why you're complaining. You got a mission strip? I hear people say all day, I'd love to go on a mission strip, but I don't have any money. It's up in smoke. This went over better when I was preaching in the dark. Hosea 4.11, I'm going to read it out of the New Living Translation. Wine, women, and song have robbed my people of their brain. Wine, women, and song have robbed my people of their brains. You hear people say, well, you don't know about my problems. Listen, I've had some problems in my life. You think a preacher doesn't have any problems? I've had problems. I I understand why people want to escape their problems. You know, they, they... I got to drink to get over my problem. I got to smoke something. I got to take something to get over my problem. If I didn't have Jesus, I would have had to do the same thing. But Jesus, I'm going to tell you, he's on the inside and he's working on the outside. I'm thankful for the Holy Ghost. I'm thankful that he is my comforter because when trouble came, I, I had somebody to lean on and I didn't have to go to these things and get bound because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Now, you might say, well, I just want to drown all my problems. Well, when you get to the bottom of that bottle, you're going to find all your problems can swim. They're still there. But I love this story because there's the father. 
And I love this story because anywhere along the road, this young man could turn around. That's what I love about the Bible. So it doesn't matter where you're at. Doesn't matter how far off track you've gotten, anywhere you can turn around and God is out looking for you. He's wanting you to come home. He's looking for you. And I'm going to tell you, something good is going to happen. The good news is wherever you are today, you can turn around. You can recalibrate. Today's an easy day for you to make, a, uh, you can make a right turn as easily as you can make a wrong turn. Do you believe that? I might have told this story here before, but I, I love a preacher that had gone on to be with Jesus. He was a great preacher from Los Angeles. His name was Evie Hill. I used to watch him on TBN. He, he would light up the TV. I mean, I love to hear him preach. But he told a story about when he was 15. He grew up in a home where his mother was a great believer, a, a Bible believer. And he said, I'm 15, and I went out with some of my friends, and we got a big jug of wine, and we all got drunk, and, and he told some other things that, happened when they got drunk. You know, I think they broke a window, you know, did a few things, and, and uh, he, he knew he needed to come home. It was time. It was curfew. But he didn't want to come home because he drunk the big jug of wine. He's drunk, and he knows that his mother will catch him, and she's a godly woman. So he thinks, well, I'll make it better. I'll just stay out later. And maybe she'll be asleep when I can sneak in the back door. So he stayed out later, stayed out later. Finally, he snuck in the back door. And when he snuck in the back door, there was his mother sitting in the kitchen with a light on with a pot of coffee on the stove. And she poured him a cup. She said, sit down, made him drink the coffee. And then she said, go to your room. He said, that kind of scared me because my mother never missed an opportunity to give me a godly beating when I needed one. He said, I knew I needed to be punished. He said, but my mom didn't say anything except go to your room. He said, well, I'm, I'm going to get a, you know, the haymaker when I wake up on the next morning. She's going to be waiting on me. He said, the next morning she didn't say anything. He's getting nervous. Why is my mom not giving me a hard time about this? Why, why is, this, is she allowing this to happen? The next day, never says anything. He said, I'm getting more nervous. Finally, the weekend comes. He said, that's the day we would always go to town and go shopping. And when we were ready to go to town, my mom said, get in the car, we're going shopping. He got in the car, and instead of stopping at the stores he said they would normally stop at, she went right past them and went down to the heart of Los Angeles where all the bums hang out, where the derelicts hang out, where the winos hang out. They're all along the street there, and she pulls up the car and stops right in front of this row of what we call skid row. And she says to her son, the 15-year-old boy, Evie, she says, Evie, get out of the car. He said, Mom, I don't want to get out of the car. She said, get out of the car now. He knew she was serious. He got out of the car. She got out with him. She said, I want you to go up and down this street, shake hands with every derelict, every bum, every wino you see. She said, because I want you to have some friends when you get here. So you don't get in, in that mess in a day. Not one of those bums got there in one day. Not one of those derelicts, winos. I don't even know if those are politically correct words to use. I'm not putting them down. Everybody needs Jesus. So get over that. You know, I'm offended. Just hang around a little bit. I'll offend you some more. And I really don't care. Oh, 
Man, that offended somebody right there. But there's the law of progression. The law of progression is really you reap what you sow. And if you keep your partying, you keep up with your drinking, your perversion, your pornography, your sleeping around, you're going to wind up in a real mess. Rock bottom. The fifth thing that started messing this young man up, got him on the road to destruction. Wrong turn number five, and I'm going to close. He joined himself to a citizen of that distant land. He hired himself out, the Bible says, to one of the citizens of that country. There he is, knee-deep in hog slop. He craved hog slop to feed himself. A Jewish boy wants to eat what the hogs eat. He can't eat hogs, but he that's how hungry he got. You really want me to shoot it to you straight today? You may not like what I'm saying, but today you all know I'm telling you the truth. In the news, we hear about somebody that kills somebody because they were drunk driving. We hear about the politician that gets caught in a compromising situation. We hear about, you know, the politician's friend that suddenly hangs himself. Okay, whatever. That was just the throwing. Mysterious. The businessman has a deal that's too good to be true. We hear about the young lady that gets pregnant. And really, in the last year, we've heard about some preachers that got in trouble. Their ministry is messed up. When you, when you talk to them, they say, well, I can't give an account for my time. I don't know if I was in that woman's room or not because I was drinking. Are you hearing me? If you hear about a minister getting messed up, it's always alcohol involved. Almost 100% of the time. You say, man, well, I just threw my, my, my group under the bus. Well, of all those you hear about, there's so many good guys. But I'm going to tell you, every one of those guys, if they could take it back, they would say, I wish I wouldn't have started the politician, I wish I wouldn't know. The young lady, I wish I'd have said no. The man that kills somebody driving, I wish I wouldn't know. They wish they could go back and start again. But when the devil's through with you, he'll leave you with hog slop all around you. And I'm going to tell you, it's fun while the party's on. It's fun while the party's on. But what about when the party's over? They don't tell the story of men and women like my friend that sat across the table from me. They don't tell about how his life hit rock bottom. I will tell you the good news is he's serving the Lord Jesus with all of his heart today. Got a call of God on his life. But I'm going to tell you, I, I, I will tell you, thank the Lord for deliverance. Thank the Lord uh, uh, for freedom. For, thank the Lord for his goodness. Many come to God when they have a tragedy. They say something like, if you get me out of this. I prayed that prayer before. I was 19 years old, attending the University of Oklahoma. My best friend was the Southern Baptist pastor's son. Here I'm a Pentecostal pastor's son and the Southern Baptist son. All right? I was away from God, and he was always with God. Let me go catch that one later. We were sinners, all right? He came into my room one day, and he said, Doug, let's go to a concert. I didn't really like the concert, but he said it was free. All right? It wasn't my kind of... People singing, all right? But the warm-up group 
was worse than the real singers. It was a lady singer. All she was wearing is electrical tape as clothes, okay? So I shouldn't have been there. And I'm, I'm having this thought. My mom said, if you go to a place like that and you get stabbed, who's going to pray the prayer of faith over you? So I'm thinking that way while I'm there. Okay? Some of those things your mom says. I wish I could forget them, but, you know, thank the Lord. I'm there, and this woman, she starts singing a song, Queen of Darkness. She starts slithering around, literally on the stage like a snake. And I began to get afraid because there was a spirit that entered into that arena that I never felt at my dad's church because in the church where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty, but where the spirit of the devil is, there's bondage. It was taking my breath away. Are you understanding that? And I, I wasn't really much into praying at that time except emergency prayer, but I said, I held my hand up to my mouth. I said, God, if you get me out of here, and I'm not demon-possessed. Folks, I still believe there's people that are possessed. You don't just walk into school and shoot people up if you don't have a demon. I've had lots of guns, and I don't feel like shooting anybody. All right? Unless you come into my house stealing something or messing with my family, I can't see how it would ever happen. So there are demons. But I'm feeling, man, I don't want to leave this. God, if you get me out of here, I began to pray that prayer. My friend's over there. Woo! I'm over there shaking. He goes, what's wrong? Oh, nothing, nothing, nothing. But verse 17, I love the verse. It says, but when he came to himself, he finally admitted that what he was and where he was needed to change. See, the pain in his stomach brought him to his senses. Will, any, will the pain in your life bring you to your senses? See, this Bible that I preach, it takes a real man to preach it. it takes a, it's a real man to serve God. It takes a real woman to serve God. This is a strong man's gospel, a strong woman's gospel, a strong teenager's gospel. My message today is turn around, recalibrate, recalculate. I'm saying sinner, come home. Backslider, come home. See, the Father's out looking for you. I don't know what you've done and where you've been, but you can turn around. You can do it, and when you do it, others will follow you today. I want everybody to stand to your feet. I ask this question, do you know you're ready to meet God? Do you know? There's not a wrong that he won't forgive today, and there's not a mistake he won't forgive. God's merciful. I love this picture of Jesus, uh, uh, of the Father, excuse me, looking out for the Son. But do you know you're ready to meet God? See, I don't know. I, I, for 19 years, I was on and off. I was rolling the dice about my eternity. I'd go to bed. Lord, if you come in the middle of the night, help me be ready. I still would have split hell wide open. I don't know. He needs to be Lord of your life. See, some of you are all worried about what everybody thinks. Are you ready to meet God? You know, and, but oh, what would my family think? What would my friends think? What would my coworkers think? What would my classmates think? You know what? It doesn't matter what any of those people think because you're not living for them. You ought to be living for God. You're not going to stand before them. You'll stand before God. So I'm asking, are you ready to meet him? See, do you have sin that you're justifying with your excuses? 
I got people do that all the time. Yeah, I have sin, but I, I do it for a reason. God's mercy is reaching out to somebody today. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no one looking around. You're in this building today and God's dealing with your heart. Maybe you got sin in your life. Maybe you stepped out on that road that leads to destruction. I don't care where you're at. You just know you're not right with God today. And today you say, I need a fresh start. I need a new beginning preacher. God's dealing with my heart today. And I need your prayer today. If that's you, would you lift up your hand in this building right now? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I see other hands lifted. Thank you. You've got your hand up. You can put it down. Is there anybody else? Thank you over in the corner. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy today. See, some of you are saying, well, I'm just going to get out of here. I'm not going to respond to this. I'll go home and pray. Well, that's the devil's lie to get you out of this place of freedom. See, I, I, I just need to get out. Don't put yourself in your own hands. Put yourself in the hands of God today. I found peace in God's hands. I found destruction in the world's hands. I found, I, I found turmoil when I got out of God's hands. I want to ask something today. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. You raise your hand or you should have. I'm not asking one person to join this church. If you're watching, you respond online. But I'm here to tell you something. You're here. I'm not asking you to join the church. I'm not asking you to shake my hand. I'm not asking you to know how to pray. But I'm asking you to step out of your seat, get some guts and courage. He said, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. Jesus said, if you deny me, I will deny you. But he said, he that comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. The same father that was looking for that son, he's looking for you. And today at this altar, you're going to find joy because what you do at this altar is going to cause joy in heaven and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So I'm asking right now, if you got, you're in a place where you're not sure you're ready to meet God and you need a fresh start, a new beginning, there's a number of hands that were raised. Step out of your seat and come stand here right now facing me quickly. Come on. All over this building, would you come right now? Come on, young lady. Come on, sir. Come on, dad. Come on, would you come? Thank you, sir, for coming so quick. But there's other people need to come. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Come on, keep coming. Some of you are coming as a family. Come on, it's good. Come on, if they're in the middle of the aisle, let them out. We're happy that they're coming. Anybody else? Come on, come on, would you come? Get closer up here. And we want to pray with you right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Anyone else? Come on, we're going to wait just a few seconds here. I'm going to wait about 30 seconds, but there's still people coming down the aisle. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. I'm going to tell you, God's mercy is reaching out. It's not. You're not at the rock bottom, or you could be. I don't know where you're at. But you're just saying today, I need to turn around. It's not too late to turn around. We're not living uh, 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 in a day where it's too late to turn around. You can do it. Is there anyone else? If you're watching, come on, respond and tell them you're coming back. You're coming home in the name of Jesus. Is there anybody else? We're down to 15 seconds. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no one looking around. See, some of you are sitting there like, well, you know, I don't know why we're taking so long. Well, you're like the prodigal's brother. Folks, what would happen if you, God didn't have mercy for you? Come on, don't get in a hurry here. We're down to five seconds. Is there anybody else? Come on, there's still people coming right now. I'm thankful for these young people that have come. I'm thankful for the dads that have come. I'm thankful for the individuals that have come. They ha had some guts. God's doing something. Is there anybody else today? 
I want somebody of faith to come stand behind every person here. Prayer team, come on, get up here and get ready to help me pray in a moment. But just stand there. Don't do anything yet, but get ready. I want somebody of faith to come stand behind somebody here. It might be your friend. It might be a family member. It might be somebody you don't know. But there's some men right here in the middle. We need some help over here. Hallelujah. Now let's do something together. I want everybody to lift up both hands if you're physically able. It's just a sign that you're making God number one today. Come on. I'm lifting my hands right now. I want you to pray this prayer with me. I want you to repeat after me. Everybody in this building, say this out loud enough where two or three people can hear you. Right now, say this with me. Dear God in heaven, I need a fresh start. I need a new beginning. Today, I recalculate. I recalibrate. I have a change of heart a change of mind and a change of direction today I repent I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for me he shed his blood for me and that blood is cleansing me from every sin I believe that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead and I boldly confess with my mouth, Jesus Christ is my Lord, my Savior. I'm never going to be the same. I give my life totally to you, Lord. I put myself in your hands in Jesus' name. Come on, lift up your voice and praise him right now. Come on, I want you to praise him. Hallelujah. If you're standing beside behind somebody, Reach up and pray with them right now. I want to pray with everyone here. If you're in your seat, stretch out your hand toward these in the altar. Come on. Maybe you got family members that aren't saved. I believe these are days the prodigal sons and daughters are coming home. And as you pray for somebody else, God will bless you today. In the name of Jesus.